We're listening to January 6th insurrection hearings. This is Ms. Lofgren. About 30 minutes in. And the people who seemingly knew about that plan in advance would ultimately play a significant role in the events of January 6th. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentlewoman yields back. The chair recognizes the gentleman from Illinois. Gentlewoman. For an opening statement. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Very shortly uh, after the election, the Trump campaign recognized that they had likely lost the election, and they informed Donald Trump of that fact. Even before the networks called the race for President Biden on November 7th, his chances of pulling out a victory were virtually non-existent, and President Trump knew it. You know, told the president that he had lost and that there wasn't a chance of him winning. Like everybody? The, I know that Duh. the president, when the networks called it, of course, he was informed about the, the network uh, decision. Um, Jason Miller, former staffer. Myself and a handful of other folks went over and sat down with the president. And held his hands. Um, patted him on the head. Uh, that the, the odds of us prevailing. Tried really hard. Tried as hard uh, as you could. You know, after the election, give it up after the November 7th, in your judgment, what were the chances of President Trump winning the election? Be a fucking after man and concede. At times, President Trump acknowledged the reality of his loss. Although he publicly claimed that he had won the election, privately, he admitted that Joe Biden would take over as president. Here's a few examples of that. So we're in the Oval and there's a discussion going on. And the president says... General Mark Milley. I think it's, it could have been Pompeo, but he says words to the effect of, yeah, we lost, we need, we need to let that issue go to the next guy. I remember maybe a week after the election... Alyssa called, I popped in from the White Oval House communications to, like, director. give the president the headlines to see how he was doing. And he was looking at the TV and he said, can you believe I lost to this effing guy? Mark Green, it was on the 18th. Cassie Hutchinson, former aide to Mark Meadows. Knowing that he had lost, pretty and much that he had you know. only weeks left in office, President Trump rushed to complete his unfinished business. One key example is this. President Trump issued an order for large-scale U.S. troop withdrawal. He disregarded concerns about the consequences for fragile governments on the front lines of the fight against ISIS. And Sabotage. Hello. Knowing he was leaving office, he acted immediately and signed this order on November 11th which would have required the immediate withdrawal of troops from Somalia and Afghanistan, all to be complete before the Biden right inauguration after on January 20th. If you watch these clips, recall that General Keith Kellogg was the National Security Advisor to the Vice President no later and had served as Chief of Staff to the National January. Security Council for President Trump. And General Milley was the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon. 
It's a damn good thing they, they didn't get along, Millie and fuckface Nazi Trump. It's General Keith Kellogg. We look at investing through a different lens. I wonder which, which oh, is it Millie that uh, Trump said, I wish you generals would be as good as the German German ones. And, and um, Millie said, you mean like Nazi German generals? Yeah. Which, what, what, which ones? Like Nazi, basically he's idolized, he idolizes you fucking idiots! He reads Hitler's speeches. He re the only thing he reads for pleasure is Nazi Mind Comp, my struggle that Hitler wrote while in prison. So let him write, let him write some moronic bullshit in prison, you know. Um, but no. So uh, I think it was Million who said, "You do know that they did try to kill him." <laughs> they tried to kill it. Those generals tried to kill Hitler like ten times. And, um, you know, so that's just yet another fucking piece of evidence that you, all you idiots should know and um, pass around. And his, his daddy was arrested like father, like son, man. His daddy, Fred Trump, was arrested in New York rioting against cops. In 1927, with a thousand other Klansmen in, uh, you know, what do you call the white garb shit? Hood. Uh, ah, white, you know, all, a bunch of fucking Klansmen and thousand Klansmen were arrested for writing against police and then he lied about that he said no oh, that wasn't my dad no he, that wasn't his address yeah it was your dad yeah it was his fucking address and for some reason i wanted to get on new york times about this i want to get on their case about this you know you owe it to us hey hashtag new ny times Hey, hashtag, NY Times, exclamation point. You know how, you know how, hashtag Fred Trump was arrested in 1927, comma, rioting against police with a thousand clansmen question mark his address was printed in hashtag NY Times semicolon then in 2016 comma Nazi Trump lied for the millionth time and said that wasn't his father, not his address. Exclamation point. And you didn't print that story? Question mark. Well, you have 
the moral obligation to cover it now, fuckers. His name and address. Billions time actually. Like in corporate media, that's what you get. Billions time. Not million. Fucking billion. Every fucking thing he says is a fucking lie. Fakest person, most biggest phony ever. Billions time. So you didn't, well, fucking print it now, bitches. Okay. So now I'm, I'm uh, just to put on some, put on some, something to listen to. Okay. So, I think you might have seen some things where um, there's a memo or something from Johnny McEntee to Douglas McGregor. Uh, it says, here's your task uh, to get the U.S. forces out of uh, out of uh, Somalia, the U.S. forces out of Afghanistan. When you first interviewed and met Colonel Douglas McGregor, is it fair to say you discussed this decision of withdrawing from Somalia and Afghanistan, correct? Yeah, I'm sure that was part of it, yeah. And that was, the position that he was taking over there was senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense, is that correct? Yes. So on that same day, just so I'm clear, he responded back to you that they, meaning DOD leadership, was not going to do take any of those steps without an order. Without a directive, yeah. I explained in, in language that should be in the order while I was in the meeting with McEntee, and this was my answer to him. I said, if you want this to happen, or the president wants this to happen, he's got to write an order. So you never wrote this down? In any capacity. Well, I, I sketched on a piece of paper for him some key statements. Uh, you know, the president directs. You know, this video. Is, uh, what's the right word? Boilerplate language. Who was in his office drafted the order? It was uh, myself and one of my assistants. McIntyre duly types it up, brings it into the president. 
President signs it, and boom, it's over, faxed over, or emails a scandal, or he's got to tell what it means. Was it by AutoPen, or was it the President himself signing it? It was the President. And Good who morning. obtained that signature? I did. It is odd. It is non-standard. It is potentially dangerous. I personally thought it was militarily not feasible, nor wise, and I proceeded to tell the PPO and proceeded to tell McGregor that if I ever saw anything like that, um, I would do something physical because I thought what that was then was a tremendous disservice to the nation. And by the way, it was, that, it was a very, very contested issue. There were people who did not agree with getting out of Afghanistan. I appreciate the concerns. An immediate departure that that memo said would have been a catastrophic. It's the same thing with President Biden. It would have been a debacle. Keep in mind, the order was for an immediate withdrawal. It would have been catastrophic. And yet, President Trump signed the order. These are the highly consequential actions of a president who knows his term will shortly end. At the same time that President Trump was acknowledging privately that he had lost the election, he was hearing that there was no evidence of fraud or irregularities sufficient to change the outcome. I remember um, a call with uh, Mr. Meadows, where Mr. Meadows was asking me, what I was finding and if I was finding anything. And I remember sharing with him that we weren't finding anything that would be sufficient to um, change the results in any of the key states. When was that conversation? Hey there, if you're a wellness professional, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret that may just transform your business. Probably in November, mid, mid to late November. I think it was before my child was born. And what was Mr. Meadows' reaction to that information? I believe the words he used were, so there's no there there. It would be our job there's to no there there and, and come up dry because the allegation didn't prove to be true. And we'd have to, you know, relay the news that, yeah, that, 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 that you know, someone told you about those those votes uh, or that fraud or you know nothing came um that would be our job as, as, as you know truth telling uh squad and you know not not, not, not a fun job to be, you know much it's uh an easier job to be telling the president about you know wild allegations the harder job to be telling him on the back end that yeah that's that, that wasn't true what was generally discussed on that topic was whether the fraud, maladministration, abuse, or irregularities, uh, if aggregated and read most favorably to the campaign, would that be outcome determinant? And um, I think everyone's assessment in the room, at least amongst the staff, Mark Short, myself, and Greg Jacob, was that it was not sufficient to be outcome determinant. Look, it's the right of any candidate to litigate gen genuine election disputes. 
Nobody argues that. But President Trump's litigation was completely unsuccessful. In our past hearings, we told you that the committee had identified a total of 62 election lawsuits filed by the Trump campaign and its allies between November 4th and January 6th of 2021. Those cases resulted in 61 losses and only a single victory, which did not affect the outcomes for any candidate. The claims were not supported by any sufficient evidence of fraud or irregularity. In fact, they were baseless as judges repeatedly recognized. In none of these 62 cases was President Trump able to establish any viable claims of election fraud sufficient to overturn the results of the election. In those hearings, we shared with you the words used by judges around the country in rejecting the Trump campaign's claims. It's strong language criticizing the lack of evidentiary support for the claims of election fraud in those lawsuits. For example, the Federal Appeals Court in Pennsylvania wrote, quote, charges require specific allegations and proof. We have neither here. A federal judge in Wisconsin wrote, quote, the court has allowed the former president the chance to make his case and he has lost on the merits. Another judge in Michigan called the claims, quote, nothing but speculation and conjecture that votes for President Trump were either destroyed, discarded, or switched to votes for Vice President Biden. A federal judge in Michigan sanctioned nine attorneys, including Sidney Powell, for making frivolous allegations in an election fraud case, describing the case as a historic and profound abuse of the judicial process. Recently, a group of distinguished Republican election lawyers, former judges and elected officials, issued a report confirming the findings of the court. In their report entitled Lost, Not Stolen, these prominent Republicans analyzed each election challenge and concluded this. Donald Trump and his supporters failed to present evidence of fraud or inaccurate results significant enough to invalidate the results of the 2020 presidential election. On December 11th, Trump's allies lost a lawsuit in the U.S. Supreme Court that he regarded as his last chance at success in the court. A newly obtained Secret Service message from that day shows how angry President Trump was about the outcome. Quote, just FYI, POTUS is pissed. Breaking news, Supreme Court denied his lawsuit. He is livid now. Cassidy Hutchison, an aide to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, was present for that conversation and described it in this way. This is the day that the Supreme Court has rejected that case. Mr. Meadows and I were in the White House residence at a Christmas reception. And as we were walking back from the Christmas reception that evening, the President was walking out of the Oval Office we crossed paths in the Rose Garden Colonies. The President was fired up about the Supreme Court decision. And so I was saying to Meadows, Mr. Meadows, that I stepped back from the Oval Here's how no. easily you can build one and click it. No, thank you. 
tribal radio. Our country is a country of laws where every person, including the president, must follow the law and respect the judgment of our courts. President Trump's closest advisors held that view both then and now. Well, do you believe the president should abide by the rulings of the court? Oh, yeah. We, we, we should all comply with the law at all times to the best of our, our ability. Every one of us. Huh. So once the court this motherfucker. The electoral college. This motherfucker, right before, Jan, uh, before the inauguration, said there was no, not going to be a peaceful transfer. There was not going to be a transfer of power. Basically, they're, they weren't going to leave. They had planned it in advance. That fucker. That motherfucker, he should be he should be charged as a co-conspirator. He went along with it till the very end. He didn't he didn't uh, step down. All those cabinet members who stepped down after January 6th, like the what's her name, Elaine Chow, the mid bitch McConnell's wife, She's Taiwanese, very rich bitch McConnell. Because of her, and also, uh, you know, apparently, Congress members concurrently fucking insider trade. There's no, there's no fucking enforcement of the laws. Or they're not supposed to, but they get away with it. Like David Perdue, remember David Perdue and Kelly Leffler? They were fucking running for office after they got caught for insider trading based on information from COVID briefings on the Hill. So, those motherfuckers, you know, uh, it's your government, man. You're gonna just do nothing? You're gonna let these motherfuckers just, like, do whatever the fuck they want? No. Law and order. Put your foot down, idiots. Put your foot down. You, have, you guys must have no fucking self-respect whatsoever. It must be fucking masochists. Put up with this shit. So stupid Americans. Stupid. Uh, the election was over in your view? Yes, I think I think I said previously that when the vice president made the certification and the litigation was complete, it was complete. When the electoral college met on the 14th? Fucking douchebag. Uh, yes, as of December 14th, is that right? I think that's the, the right date, yes. Yeah. I assume, Pat, that you would agree the president does he have a list? is, is um, obligated to abide by. President Trump's closest advisors held that view both then and now. Well, do you believe the president should abide by the rulings of the court? Oh, yeah. We, we, we oh, should all yeah. comply with the law at all times. Oh, yeah. He's a dude. You motherfucker. So once you know what I should do is, like, get a clip of him saying, oh. There's not going to be a transition. Yes, I think I think I said previously that when the vice president made the certification and the litigation was complete, it was complete. Fucking douche. When the electoral college met on the 14th. Uh, yes, as of December 14th, is that right? I think that's the the right date. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think that's the right date. So yeah, acting like you. Obligated to abide by the rulings of the court. Charge them, stupid assholes. Do your fucking job. And, and I assume you also... Everybody, everybody it's is so lame. Only two Republicans out of the whole lot. 
and I assume you also about the only one she keeps those are the ones that they wanted to get rid of that they got rid of that the laws be faithfully executed. she lost she, uh, Liz Cheney lost her life by like 45 percentage points to abide by the rulings of the court I mean it's not really fair, but like I said, she's about the only one that. In mid December of 2020, President Trump's keeping, senior staff were attempting to persuade standing him up now, to see the election outcome. But before but this whole thing, she voted with Nazi Trump 93 percent of the time. December 14th was the day that the state certified their votes and sent them to Congress. Bill Barr, fucking blowhard, trying to rehabilitate his reputation. Uh, I didn't see, uh, you know, I, I thought that uh, this would Wait, lead inexorably to balls. a new administration. Sleaze. I told him that my personal viewpoint was Nazi that the Electoral sleaze. College had met, uh, which is the uh, system that our uh, country is, is set under to elect a president Who and vice president. Dude? And I believed at that point that the... Um, means for him to pursue uh, litigation um, uh, would die. probably closed. And you recall what his response, if any, was? He disagreed. Hmm. Secretary of Labor, Gene Scalia, yeah. the son of late Justice fucking Scalia, decision. Lock him the fuck up, President idiots. Trump in mid-December and explain the situation clearly. You're fucking stupid. <laughs> KAMP student radio at the University of Aristotle. Smoke free, smoke grass, man. So I had to put a call well, to the president. Free. I might have called on the 13th. Eugene Scalia, spoke, former Secretary of Labor. Which, um, there are these probably some Tony's Scalia's. It was time for him to acknowledge that uh, President Biden had prevailed in the election. But I communicated to the president that uh, voting when for that Nazis, legal process is exhausted and when the electors have voted, that that's the point at which that outcome needs to be expected. I told him that I did believe, yes, that once the, those legal processes were run, uh, if fraud had not been established, it had affected the outcome of the election, and unfortunately, I believe that what had to be done was concede the outcome. Not only did the court reject fraud and other allegations, mm -hmm. his Department of Justice appointees, including Bill Barr, Jeffrey Rosen, and Richard Donahue, did as well. President Trump knew the truth. He heard what all his experts and senior staff were telling him. He knew he had lost the election, but he made the deliberate choice to ignore the courts, to ignore the Justice Department, to ignore his campaign leadership, to ignore senior advisors, and to pursue a completely unlawful effort to overturn the election. His intent was plain, ignore the rule of law and stay in power. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Chair recognizes the gentlewoman from Virginia, Ms. Luria. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mid-December was a turning point. President Trump made a decision, a choice, to ignore the courts and his advisors and to push forward to overturn the election. Bob. His efforts to overturn the election were not random or disconnected. Trader. 
whether they were part of a coordinated, multi-part plan to ensure that he stayed in power. Donald Trump was the driver behind each part of this plan. He was personally and directly involved. Of course, a key element of the plan was continuing to convince tens of millions of Americans that he did not, in fact, lose. Again, he did this. 74 even million though his own idiots. campaign advisors and his Justice Department officials told him his claims of fraud were wrong. In this video, you'll see that even when top law enforcement officials told the president his election fraud claims were false, he still repeated the claims in the days over and, and over again. Even the I very specifically raised the dominion voting issues, which I found to be among the most uh, disturbing allegations. Disturbing in the sense that I saw absolutely zero basis for the allegations. I told them that it was it was uh, crazy Bullshit. stuff, and they were wasting their time on that. And uh, it was doing great, great disservice to the country. Yeah, right. We have a company that's very suspect. Its name is Dominion. With the turn of a dial or the change of a chip, you can press a button for Trump and the vote goes to Biden. What kind of a system is this? We definitely talked about Antrim County again. That was sort of done at that point because the Henry count had been done and all of that. But we cited back to that. It three today. Times. You know, this is an example of what people are telling you and what's being filed in some of these court filings that are just not supported by the evidence. And this is the problem. The problem is zero evidence telling you these things, and they turn out not to be true. In addition, there is the highly troubling matter Six of the voting meeting. system. In one Michigan county alone, 6,000 votes were switched from Trump to Biden, and the same systems are used in the majority of states in our country. I went into this and would, you know, tell them how crazy some of these allegations were and how ridiculous some of them were. Uh, I'm talking about some of these, like, you know, more votes, more absentee votes were cast in Pennsylvania than there were absentee ballots requests. You know, stuff like that it was just easy to blow up. There was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. This is a lot delight. Then there were voters. Think of that. Deuce you guy. had more votes than you had voters. That's an easy one to figure. And by the thousands. Then he raised the, the, the big vote dump, uh, as he called it, in Detroit. And that, you know, he said people saw boxes coming into the counting station at all hours of the morning. And I said, Mr. President, there are 630 precincts in Detroit. And unlike. Elsewhere in the state, they centralize the counting process, so they're not counted in each precinct. They're moved to counting stations, and so the normal process would involve boxes coming in at all different hours. One day after this that meeting. At 6.31 in the morning, a vote dump of 149,772 votes came in. Unexpectedly. With regard to Georgia, we looked at the tape, we interviewed the witnesses. There is no suitcase. The president kept fixating on this suitcase that supposedly had 
far down south. Yeah, I fucking made it up. Pulled out from under the table. The psychopath. And I said, no, sir, there is no suitcase. You can watch that video over and over. There is no suitcase. There is a wheeled bin where they carry the ballot. Now you know and that's what a fucking psychopath is. There's nothing suspicious about that at all. Idiots. Ten days after that meeting. Election official pull boxes, Democrats. And suitcases of ballots out from under a table. You also on television. Hmm. Totally fraudulent. This happened over and over again. That's you, totally fraudulent. Our report will document the biggest fraud of the century. Purposeful lies made in public, directly at odds with what Donald fraud Trump Fraud and a phony and a fucking psychopath. The Justice Department's own investigation should be fucking shot. And his own execution campaign. squad. Donald Trump maliciously Isn't that what a not traitors are to a dealt wide with? audience over and over again. His intent was to deceive. Hang him. President Trump's plan also involved government officials to change the election outcome in the state of the United States. I'm going to pop corn. I'll make a treat. I'm going to pop corn to the entire nation. I'm going to fucking zap this motherfucker. Killing a million Americans. The president himself made it clear what his intentions were to prevent the order. We don't care about our our lives. We all Why should we care about his? President Trump's tape-recorded call with Georgia Secretary Fucking zap him. Brad <laughs> Zap. At the time this call occurred, President Trump had already been told repeatedly by the U.S. Justice Department, zap. by his campaign, and by his advisors that his allegations of fraud and corruption were false. You have so, a choice. Look, do you want to be hung do or do you want to be I electrocuted? Shot or execution squad. I bet he'd choose to be shot just for the drama. Because we won the state. Look, we need only 11,000 votes. We have far more than that as it stands now. Shoot him. We'll have more and more. So what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. You're on Tell death us. row. I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Yeah, okay, I'll give you a break. I'll break your fucking face. This bitch. trick can save you thousands of dollars on high energy bills each year. Break your spirit Worried like you tried to break ours. About fuel shortages. I just want to find 11,780 votes. That's an extraordinary demand by the president, especially since he already knew from the Justice Department there was no genuine basis for this request. No one could think it would be legal for the Secretary of State to simply find the vote the president needed in order to win. Secretary Rappensberger told the president the truth that he lost the election in Georgia. Just need, uh, the President Trump did not accept that. He suggested that Secretary Rappensberger himself might be prosecuted. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. Mm -hmm. and, right. and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. That's a big risk. <laughs> you know that President Trump's White House advisor. Can tell that's how he operates, man. Fucking mob after boss. After the call, Cassidy Hutchinson had a conversation with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Mark, you can't possibly think we're going to pull this off. Like that call was crazy. And he looked at me and he started shaking his head and he said, no, Cassidy, you know, he knows it's over. He knows he lost, but we're going to keep trying. There's some good options out there still. We're going to keep trying. This 
alcohol and other related activities is now the focus of an ongoing criminal investigation in Fulton County, Georgia. Georgia's not the yeah, only Locke state Lindsay's grandma too. tried to pressure state officials to change the results. He also attempted to pressure state office. officials in Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan to change the results in those states as well. While President Trump was pressuring state officials, he was also trying to use the Department of Justice to change the election results. His top officials told him that there was no evidence to support his claims of fraud, but he didn't care. As he told them, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican Congress. When these officials did not do what he said, President Trump embarked in an effort to install Jeff Clark as acting attorney general, solely because he, he would do what others in the department would not do. We know that Trump was doing so for a specific purpose, so Clark could corruptly employ the Justice Department's authority to help persuade the state to flip electoral votes. For example, when Richard Donahue and Jeff Rosen, both appointed by President Trump, learned of Mr. Clark's proposal, Here's why they said they forcefully rejected it. And I recall towards the end saying, what you're proposing is nothing less than the United States Justice Department meddling in the outcome of the presidential election. Yeah, but more importantly, Richard Donahue, former U.S. Attorney, Eastern District of New York. Has developed by Department investigations over the last several weeks and months. Um, so I respond to that and for the department to insert itself into the political process this way, I think Three. would have had great consequences for the country. It may very well have June 23, 2022. We know from our investigation that President Trump offered Jeff Clark the position of acting attorney general. An environmental and lawyer. Jeff Clark had decided to accept it. And then we're going to, the, only the whole DOJ was going to resign. <laughs> Good for you, DOJ. Thank you. Department officials confronted the president in the Oval Office and threatened mass resignation. Thank you, DOJ. And then, um, y'all are professional, man. Something to the effect of you're going to have a huge personnel blowout within hours because you're going to have all kinds of problems with resignations and other issues. And that's not going to be in anyone's interest. The president ultimately relented only because the entire leadership of the Department of Justice, as well as his White House counsel, threatened to resign. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Young woman yields back. The chair recognizes young woman from Florida, Mrs. Murphy, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Tribal Radio. President Trump's efforts to unlawfully overturn the results of the 2020 election were not limited to the big lie and pressuring state officials and the Department of Justice officials. Another key part of the president's effort was a scheme to assemble fake electors to cast false electoral votes in the states that President Trump lost. This was something done not only with the president's knowledge, but also with his direct participation. Ronna McDaniel, oh, chair of the Republican National Committee, testified before so -called this mastermind of a fucking insurrection. Fire him from office, idiot. Called her and asked her to arrange for the fake... Fire him off from office, stupid assholes. Process of casting their Do your fiction. fucking job. When I received the call, um, again, I don't remember the exact date, 
Uh, it was it was from the White House switchboard, um, and and it was President Trump who had contacted me. And did President Trump have anyone else on the line with him? Um, he introduced me to uh, a gentleman named uh, John Eastman. So I vaguely remember him mentioning that he was a professor, and then essentially he turned the call over to Mr. Eastman, who then proceeded to talk about the importance of the RNC helping the campaign gather these contingent electors in case any of the legal challenges um, that were ongoing changed the result of any of the states. These fake electors were ultimately part of the president's plan to replace genuine Biden electors with Trump electors on January 5th. <coughs> As part they of the certificates and stuff. Who made the certificate? The archives into the Capitol. The fake electors plan was also tied to another plan, the coercive pressure campaign to make Vice President Mike Pence reject or refuse to count certain Biden electoral votes so that President Donald Trump would, quote, win re-election instead. Here is what Vice President Pence had said about this scheme. President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. That's the only, frankly, that's there is the no thing idea more on Americans than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Make this the is only time I've actually liked Mike Pence. This is connecting all your teams with a shared point of view. This is the system He didn't save the democracy, but... He definitely threw a monkey wrench in, in Mr. Nazi Face's plans. Diabolical plans. knew that what he was demanding Vice President Pence do was illegal. Diabolical. Fuck him. Specifically on January 4th. Even his lawyer, John Eastman, admitted in front of President Trump that this plan would break the law by violating the electoral count. Did John Eastman ever admit, or, you know, in front of the president, that his proposal would violate the electoral count? Uh, I believe he did on the floor. And Dr. Eastman confirmed this in writing. Recall this email on January 6th, in which Vice President Pence's counsel asked Dr. Eastman, would you advise the president that in your professional judgment, the vice president does not have power to decide things unilaterally? Dr. Eason replied, he's been so advised. Of course, President Cicalone also recognized that this plan was unlawful. Here is Mr. Cicalone's testimony. My viewers and the vice president there is no doubt that President Trump's pressure campaign on Vice President Pence was significant. On the morning of January 6th, President Trump called the Vice President from the Oval Office and demanded that he overturn the results of demanded. the election. Numerous witnesses told us the Select Committee about the invective that President Trump leveled at his own Vice President. Something to the effect that he 
Nicholas Luna, I former assistant the, the word that she relayed to that the president called the vice president, I apologize for being impolite, but do you remember what she said her father called him? The C word? Pussy. Julie Radford, former Ivanka Trump student. Waver, chief of even his own life was endangered by President Trump and the rioters at the Capitol mm -hmm. on January 6th, as you'll see in more detail later. A federal judge concluded, based on this and other evidence, that President Trump's pressure campaign against the vice president likely violated multiple criminal statutes. In the end, all these people, Department of Justice officials, state elections officials, his own vice president, stood strong in the face of President Trump's immense Tribal radio. But as we now know, President Trump Tribal had radio. already summoned tens of thousands of his supporters to Washington on January 6th mm. to take back their country. On December 19th, President Trump first told his supporters to come to Washington. In this and numerous other tweets, he fraudulently and repeatedly promoted January 6th as the day Americans could come and change the election outcome. For weeks, President Trump worked with others to plan the rally, intending all along that he would send an assembled crowd of angry supporters to the Capitol after his speech on the lips on January 6th. We obtained a text message that one rally organizer sent on January 4th. In part, it reads that, quote, POTUS is going to have us march there, slash the Capitol, and POTUS is going to just call for it unexpectedly. Again, each of these examples, the big line, the pressure campaigns against state officials, the pressure campaign against the pressure campaigns, and his fucking terrorism idiots, electors, summoning the mob, so stupid. all of this demonstrates President Trump's personal and substantial role in the plot to overturn the election. He was intimately involved. He was the central player. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I yield back. Young woman yields back. The chair recognizes the gentleman from California, Mr. Schiff. Stop fucking pussyfooting around it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In our past hearings, we have seen direct evidence that President Trump sent a crowd of his supporters to the Capitol on January 6th, knowing they were armed and angry. This was the last, most desperate and dangerous prong of his plan to disrupt the joint session and prevent the orderly transition of power. On the morning of the 6th, the Secret Service was at the ellipse, screening the members of the crowd as they entered the rally site. And they noticed something significant about the crowd. Tens of thousands of people were outside the rally site, but did not want to go through the magnetometers, the metal detectors that were used because to screen for dangerous weapons. Since our Back last hearings, the Select Committee has received greater cooperation from the Secret Service. Nevertheless, the Secret Service text messages from this period were erased in the days and months following the attack on the Capitol. Even though they were told Even to keep them. Even though documents and materials related them. to January 6th had already been requested they were involved. by the Department of Justice and Congress. But we were able to obtain nearly 1 million emails, recordings, and other electronic records from the Secret Service. Over the month of August, the Select Committee began its review of hundreds of thousands of pages and multiple hours of that material providing substantial new evidence about what happened on January 6th and the days leading up to it. That review continues, 
What you're about to hear is just a sample of the new and relevant evidence that we have received. Mounting evidence before January 6th predicted violence, and not just violence generally, but violence directed at the Capitol. Intelligence about this risk was directly available to the U.S. Secret Service and others in the White House in advance of the Ellipse speech, in advance of the march to the Capitol. The committee has shown evidence that President Trump was aware of the risk of violence. The FBI, U.S. Capitol Police, Metropolitan Police, and other agencies all gathered and disseminated intelligence suggesting the possibility of violence at the Capitol prior to the riot. We're now going to show you just a sample of the evidence we have received. Days before January 6th, the President's senior advisors at the Department of Justice and FBI, for example, received an intelligence summary that included material indicating that certain people traveling to Washington were making plans to attack the Capitol. This summary noted online calls to occupy federal buildings, rhetoric about invading the Capitol building, and plans to arm themselves and to engage in political violence at the event. Other agencies were also hearing predictions suggesting possible violence at the Capitol. On a call of President Trump's White House National Security Staff in early January 2021, Deputy Secretary of Defense David Norquist had warned about the potential that the Capitol would be the target of the attack. Here's General Mark Milley, who was also present for this call, describing Deputy Secretary Norquist's warning. So during these calls, I only remember in hindsight because it was almost like clarifying. Uh, Norquist says during one of these calls, the greatest threat is a direct assault on the Capitol. I'll never forget it. We look at investing through a different lens. Our teams of specialized experts apply local insights and global perspectives, identifying the most compelling opportunities to optimize results. Principal Asset Management, actively invested. This email, for example, was an alert that the Secret Service received on December 24th, with the heading, Armed and Ready, Mr. President. According to the intelligence, multiple users online were targeting members of Congress, instructing others to march into the chambers on January 6th and make sure they know... Secret Service! In this report received on December 26th, the Secret Service field office make related sure tip they know that had been received by the FBI. According to the source of the tip, the Proud Boys plan to march armed into D.C. Yeah, who was... They think was that they will have a large enough them. group to march into D.C. armed, the source reported, and will outnumber the police so they can't be stopped. The source went on to say their plan is to literally kill people. Please, please take this tip seriously and investigate further. The source also made multiple clear that websites. The Proud Boys Duh, where was the fucking FBI? Websites, like the Donald.win. Let's pause here. How come the FBI the didn't? The Secret Service had advanced information more than 10 days beforehand regarding the Proud Boys planning for January 6th. And this is why they were all deleted. We know now, of course, that the Proud Boys and others them. did lead the assault on our Capitol building. On December 31st, 
Agents circulated intelligence reports that How'd they get Trump anyway? supporters have proposed a movement to occupy Capitol Hill. In particular, they flagged spikes in violent hashtags like We Are the Storm, 1776 Rebel, and Occupy Capitol. On January 5th, the Secret Service open source unit flagged a social media account on the Donald.win that threatened to bring a sniper rifle to a rally on January 6th. The user also posted a picture of a handgun and rifle with a caption, Sunday Gun Day, providing Overwatch January 6th will be wild. Later, on the evening of January 5th, the Secret Service learned during an FBI briefing that right-wing groups were establishing armed QRFs, or Quick Reaction Forces, readying to deploy for January 6th. Groups like the Oath Keepers were standing by ready to POTUS request assistance. By invoking the Insurrection Act, agents were informed. As we all know now, the Oath Keepers did play a specific role on January 6th. Stand back and stand by. Standing by at the ready should POTUS request assistance. Also on that day, the Secret Service was raiding its security precautions with the President's speech at the Ellipse the next day. A Secret Service Deputy Chief instructed agents to add certain objects to the list of items that would be prohibited at the rally site, including ballistic vests, tactical vests, armored or not, and ballistic helmets. By the morning of January 6th, it was clear that the Secret Service anticipated violence. It morning, felt like calm before the, the calm storm, before I the assume. storm, one agent predicted in a Protective Intelligence Division chat group. Another remarked how agents were watching the crazies on live stream. By 9.09 that morning, the Secret Service could also see that many rally-goers were assembled outside the security perimeter. One agent emailed, possibly because they had stuff that couldn't come through, would probably be an issue with this crowd. Just a thought. By 9.30 that morning, agents reported more than 25,000 people outside the rally site. An hour later, the Secret Service reported that the crowd was on the mall watching, but not in line. 25,000 people and the FBI specifically aware only of the charged 850 the magnetometers this division chat group another remark how agents were watching <clears throat> the crazies on live stream by 909 the secret service could also see that many rally goers were assembled outside the security perimeter one agent emailed possibly because they had dollars on the couldn't come through <laughs> would probably Travel be an radio. issue with this crowd. Just a thought. By 9.30 that morning, agents reported more than 25,000 people outside the rally site. An hour later, the Secret Service reported that the crowd Check was... Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall, watching but not in line. The head of the President's Secret Service protective detail, Robert Engel, was specifically... The FBI only arrested about 
please do your job as an American and demand these traitors be barred from the insurrection. Check this out. Do your job as an American, demand the rest of them are in. Do your job as an American, demand the rest of them are charged with. Do your job as an American. Demand these people are charged with assault. <sighs> Shit. Do your job as an American. Demand these people are charged with sedition. Barred from office. Check this out. Twenty-five thousand people. Do your job as an American. Demand these people, as well as all the Congress members, are charged. Do your job as an American and demand all these traitors are charged with sedition, including the Congress members who were there orchestrating it on January 6th under the 14th Amendment. Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall, watching but not in line. The FBI only arrested about 850. Do your job as an American and demand all these traitors are charged with sedition, including the Congress members who were there orchestrating it on January 6th under the... Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall, watching but not in line. The FBI only arrested about 850. Do your job as an American and demand all these traitors are charged with sedition, including the Congress members who were there orchestrating it on January 6th. Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall. Call Congress 202-224-3121. Demand... Sedition charges. For all who were rioting and Congress members who orchestrated the January 6th attack on our Congress. Exclamation point. Speak the F up, comma, America. Exclamation points. Wave, wave, wave. Watching but not <sighs> The FBI only arrested about 850. Do your job as an American and demand all these traitors are charged with sedition, including the Congress members who were there orchestrating it on January 6th. Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall, watching but not in line. The FBI only arrested about 850. Tell Congress to read the Constitution! Exclamation point. Fourteenth Amendment says no traitors can serve in public office. Exclamation point. Bar them all from office. Exclamation point. Thousand on the mall watching but not in line. The FBI only arrested about eight hundred fifty. 
Fear Drop is an American and demand all these traitors are charged with sedition, including the Congress members who were there orchestrating it on January 6th. Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall, watching but not in line. The FBI only arrested about 850. Fear Drop is an American and demand all these traitors are charged with sedition, including the Congress members who were there orchestrating it on January 6th. Check this out. 25,000 people, several thousand on the mall, watching but not in line.